Good morning. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles, the uh, text for this morning is found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 29. We're going to just look at one verse this morning and unpack it. Um, Typically, it's more than one, but this one is definitely worth spending a whole morning on. So Proverbs 29, 25, if you're using the Pew Bible in front of you, um, you can find it on page 550. So as you're turning there, let me just uh, ask you a couple questions, get, get the juices flowing in the right direction here. How do you define safe? How do you define safety in your life? Where's the safe place? So we could unpack this in a lot of different ways. Is it safer to live in a comfortable, affluent neighborhood? Is it safer for your kids? Might there be some different kinds of dangers associated with living there? I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular. I just want us to get, get us thinking about how we define safety and how we define danger. Okay, is it, another example, is it safe to always protect our kids from injury or from every danger? Might we end up actually making them more fragile if we try to protect them from every fall? You know, parents running around like, and if they're more fragile, then they're going to be more prone to injury, possibly stunting their ability to, you know, react to, respond to danger and pain on their own. So actually, you could undermine your very efforts there if you try too hard. Make sense? So how do we define safe? How do we define danger? Is it safer to never push or challenge yourself physically? I mean, just think about how muscles grow by being strained and broken down so that they can be built back up stronger, right? Is it safer socially or emotionally or mentally to never take any risks? So could it be that it's ultimately more relationally dangerous to kind of hide and avoid and guard ourselves against being hurt, putting our heart in a little box? See, I think we might all be willing to acknowledge the fact that we are very committed to our safety, which isn't a bad thing, necessarily. But we should recognize that oftentimes our view of what is safe might need to be tweaked and reshaped. So our values determine how we define and how we evaluate whether something is safe or dangerous. It's true with safety. It's also true with danger. How do you define danger? Okay, you might be a helmet-wearing, side-impact, airbag-sporting, life-lock, every kind of insurance-bearing, AAA member, emergency fund, fully-funded, safety hero. And yet, you might be prone to throw caution to the wind in some other areas of life, like with food or porn or bitterness or compromising your integrity at work, or lying to your spouse, you flirt with danger and ruin. So that kind of flirting with danger is evidence of a lack of a proper kind of 
fear, right? So again, we've got to think about safety and danger and fear, and maybe we need God to reshape us because we can think about these things in weird ways. Maybe we need to be convinced of how God and how the Bible defines danger and safety. I hope that's what you want. I hope you want the Bible to shape you, God himself to shape us in our understanding of reality. That's what our text is intended to do this morning. So look at Proverbs 29, 25. We'll read it together. We'll pray, and then we'll jump in. Um, There is a little outline in your bulletin. might be helpful um, as you follow along and kind of work through this passage together. So Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all here this morning. I pray that you would show us that we're not here by accident. Each and every one of us needs to hear from you. You know where each of us are at. You know what we need. You know what we fear. You know how we define safety and danger. You know everything about us. And I pray that you, by your spirit, would speak to us. Shine the light of your word into our lives, into our minds, into our hearts. And show us what we need to see Show us the fears that are governing us. And then, Lord, would you please, by your Spirit, shine your light on you so that we can see you for who you are, how great and strong and gracious and merciful you are. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see how the temptations of sin and Satan himself. Satan is a bully and he wants to own our fears and feed them. And I pray, Lord, that we would want you to order our fears and desires. Show us how big you are and put all of the things that we fear in light of that, in the light of your bigness and awesomeness, your greatness, your glory, your sovereign control of everything. Lord, we need your help. Please, by your Spirit, send your light and your truth, your word, down into our hearts. I pray that we would not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds and the renewing of our hearts so that we will be bright reflections of your great, great worth. And we can shine with your glory to others around them and they can be blessed by the the light of your glory shining through us, the light of your love brought to them through us, the light of your truth spoken to them by us. So please help us in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first question in the outline is, as you look at this verse, it's pretty obvious, the fear of man lays a snare. What is the fear of man? So this is not, this is intended to be man generically. Fear of people, we could say. This is not just fear of males, okay? Um, So this is fear of people. The fear of man lays a snare. Let me offer up a definition. 
and this will help us as we go through. So you, might, you may want to write this down. Um, fear of man is to bow to people as the greatest source of threat and blessing in your life. Fear of man is to bow to people as the greatest source of threat and blessing in your life. It's to, it's to allow people to dictate your life and control you in ways that only God should, right? So it is to need their smile, their approval, their love, their, their respect. It's to be in a place where you must avoid their frown, their hate, their rejection. Okay, so when you fear man, what is it that you fear? Again, we've got to understand what this, the, the person writing this proverb is saying, what God is intending to tell us here. What does this mean? When I fear man, what am I fearing? Well, of course it could be fear of physical harm. People can hurt you physically. Okay, there are people that can even try to kill you. But that's not all we fear when we fear people. Okay, we also fear, and I've kind of mentioned it already, we also fear losing their approval, losing their allegiance. Like, they might not be on our side anymore. We fear losing their help. We fear losing their support. We fear losing their, their love or their affection or their respect or their praise or their esteem. So fear of man goes by different names in our culture. It can be peer pressure. It can be people-pleasing. can be called codependency. It can even kind of, kind of hide out under I'm easily embarrassed. Now, that can be true, but sometimes that's driven by the wrong fears. I'm shy. That could be true, but it could also be kind of a smokescreen for these issues. Okay? So we can fear that people will see us, things that we don't want them to see. We can feel, fear that people will reject us and not accept us. They'll heap shame on us in one way or another. And then certainly the physical fears as well. They could attack us. They could hurt us. Um, they can threaten us. Okay, but we got to realize that fear of the Lord and fear of man, these are not just concepts. They're not just head things. The issue this morning is not just more information, merely. So just listen to Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold. And he says what he's going to do. In other words, you could, I could teach us all about the fear of the Lord, and I could understand how it works, and I could be completely a slave of fear of people. And so could you. You could hear, you could have all these notes, you could just get it all down, stick it on your shelf, and still be a slave of fear of people. It's got to go beyond the concept. We need God to help us to actually, for it to be a reality. In our, in our lives. We need the fear of the Lord to move from concept to reality. So even be praying as we're going through this text, Lord, I want to get this. I don't want to just understand it in my head. I want to believe it in my heart. Okay, there's another thing we need to understand as we seek to understand what the fear of the Lord is. It's the relationship between fearing and pleasing. Have you noticed this before? In the Bible, in life, 
Fear of man and people-pleasing go together. They're kind of like two sides of the same coin. You want to please the people that you fear. You fear the people you want to please. This goes for people. It goes for God. It's just the way we're wired. Does that make sense? Are you tracking there? So, so that relationship starts to illuminate the fact that fear of man is not only in the realm of fear that someone might physically abuse or hurt you. Again, I mentioned this. When we fear people, we fear their displeasure, their disapproval, their rejection, their condemnation. And so we work hard to please them. We work hard to maintain their smile, to maintain their approval, to maintain their acceptance. Okay, And this is not just something that characterizes life in teenage peer groups though it does, and man, I felt it acutely when I was a teenager. This sometimes can just govern life in that stage of life. We so badly want to be accepted by the right group, the right crowd. We hate being on the outside of the wrong group. But it's not just for teenagers. It's also just as characteristic of us as adults in our peer groups, at work, in social circles, even in churches. So as we get this connection between fear of man and wanting to please people, fear of God, wanting to please God, we may also see another connection here, and it's between fear and desire. Okay, I remember the first time I heard David Palson, who's a counselor, teaches up at Westminster, um, north of Philly. Um, He said, fears and desires, I'm sorry, fears are desires turned on their head quoted this before. That was an aha moment for me. Does that make sense? Fears or desires turned on their head. So fearing and desiring are bound up together. If you fear death, it's because you want, you desire to live. If you fear getting fired, it's because you want job security. If you fear rejection, it's because you want acceptance and belonging. Okay? So We've got to understand these things if we're going to actually say no to fear of man and yes to trusting in the Lord like this text says. We've got to understand what's, what is being said here. So, now that we've got a definition, we've unpacked the nature of fear of man a little bit, let's go back to our verse here, 29-25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So, next question, why does it lay a snare? How does it lay a snare? I mean, fears, they're kind of like internal things. You can have them. Sometimes they come out and they're obvious. Some people, you know, are just kind of nervous and they're freaking out. You know, they're afraid of something. But oftentimes we can have fears and look pretty confident on the outside. We can go on smiling. We can keep serving and working and selling and whatever, even when we're being governed by fears. But one thing we definitely have to to know is that they affect us more than we realize. Okay, fear is a massive motivator and inhibitor in our lives. And it's it's actually intended to be, but we oftentimes just lock on the wrong things. So just like we've unpacked the nature of fear of man, we also need to unpack the effects of fear of man. Okay, so our sinful fears, think about it this way. There are pregnant virtues. Like if you are grateful for what God has done for you in Christ. Gratitude and envy don't go well together. 
So gratitude actually bears fruit. It, it, it prevents you from envy and some other things. Well, there are also pregnant vices. Fear of man is a pregnant vice. It gives birth to other things. Okay? Does that make sense? So it lays a snare and another snare and another and another and another. When you're a slave to fear of man, you're going to be susceptible to a lot of other dangers. Think about it. When you are really afraid of what people are going to think, you may be more prone to lie, to exaggerate, to minimize, to downplay, to blame shift, to manipulate, to cheat. Just let me give you a few examples. First, fear of woman. I don't care how big or tough you are. There's lots of guys that are big, kind of man's man sort of guys who give way to fear of wife all the time. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm afraid of disappointing. Or you've sinned against her and you lie about it. Why? Because you're afraid. Or you say, I'll be home in seven minutes. You know it's 15. Did you pay that bill on time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you make that phone call I asked you? Oh, yeah, I got it. Don't worry about it. What are you afraid of? Well, you might be afraid of nitpicking and nagging. You might be afraid of disappointing. You might be afraid of rocking the boat. Fear of losing control. If I fail and I fail, then she's going to get the moral high ground. So I got to keep her where she belongs. You can have wives fearing their husbands. Sometimes it's physical threat. Oftentimes it's verbal or emotional, and they're governed by that fear, and oftentimes it's understandable. You can have moms fearing their kids, so they fear that their child will reject them, and so they get soft on discipline. A mom may so need her child's love, fears losing it. I want this child's love. I fear losing it, that she fails to love her child with the firmness that the child needs. Dads fear their kids. I'm afraid of the pound of flesh that it's going to require to deal with this. So they sit back passively. Or they react aggressively to just deal with the threat in a way that avoids any real work. Because they fear the reaction, they fear the time, they fear the cost of doing what they ought to do. Or you can have a, di- a dad who bribes or manipulates out of fear of the consequences. Oh, no, 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 okay. We can fear our bosses, we can fear our coworkers, our clients. Yeah, I finished that report, have it to you tomorrow. So when you fear people, even little people, like three-year-olds, five-year-olds, you lay snares and all kinds of things can happen. And we can even attempt makeup calls. See, this is why fear man lays a snare. Have you seen some of these silly videos like with the World Cup going on? Um, you know, in soccer, some of these guys are just known to be, I mean, they just deserve Oscars for their, their acting. You know, oh, oh, oh. Like, and they actually didn't even touch. I don't know how that happened. We can do a makeup call. We can exaggerate, you know, what happens. So, so what happens is we feel bad about being a coward, and then we get really tough. 
so that nobody will think we're really cowardly. So it's actually fear of man that's even leading you to do that makeup call and act really tough because you don't want anybody to think you're really cowardly. So both the cowardice and the toughness come from fear of man. It lays a snare. And you know what? The snares we lay are not just for ourselves to get trapped in. They often snap on others, unsuspecting. Even innocent people get caught and hurt by our snares. I mean, one really sad, obvious example, think of Jerry Sandusky. Why didn't anybody say anything? Costly. It happens in evangelism. We're, we're just so afraid of what might, somebody might think of us. So we, we refrain from loving them with the truth. It happens in marriages. It happens in churches. Friends fail to love each other, saying the hard thing, confronting sin out of fear of the consequence. And if you have a whole church that that's the, the atmosphere, everyone pays for a failure of nerve. Okay? So there's all kinds of dangers here if we actually give way to the fear of man. Fear of man is dangerous. So what's the alternative? Trusting in the Lord. So it doesn't say whoever fears the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. But fear and faith are very closely linked in the Bible, which is why fear of man and faith in the Lord are parallel here. Okay, so, so think of this in relation to or as an alternative to fear of man. Remember that definition. Fear of man is to bow to people as the greatest source of threat and blessing in your life. So think about it. What's the greatest threat in your life? What's the greatest threat in my life? Is it losing your job or losing your friends or losing your social position? Is it not being in this group or that one? No. The greatest threat in our lives is the consequences of our sin before a holy God. The greatest threat for every single one of us is hell and eternal rejection from God himself. Depart from me, I never knew you. So trusting in the Lord is definitely the path to safety. And it begins with believing the gospel, trusting in the gospel of Jesus. Jesus, his death in our place. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all tried to be the center of the universe. We want our kingdom to come. We want things to go our way. We just turn away from the creator and worship and serve created things. We bow to all these created things rather than bowing to the creator. And we deserve our just wages. Wages of sin is death, eternal death, separated from God. But because of Jesus, he came and he died on the cross in our place and bore that wrath for us. He took hell for us on the cross. So Jesus can rescue us from the greatest threat, trusting in the Lord, trusting in what he's done for us to, to provide a savior, a substitute for us is what provides the ultimate safety. We're rescued from the greatest threat, from the wrath of God. So think about that definition again. Bowing to people as the greatest source of threat or blessing. No, we were wired to bow to God as the greatest source, 
the source of the greatest threat and blessing in our lives. So his wrath and rejection eternally is the greatest threat, and the greatest blessings come through him. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. What does Paul say in in Ephesians 1? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So if you're a Christian, you have everything. You've got Christ. You're reconciled to God. He's taking care of the greatest threat. You're at peace with God. And so Romans 8 is true, that passage that Bill read. So if the greatest threat has been taken care of, if he didn't, if he didn't keep his only son from us, but willingly, graciously gave him up for us all, how will he not also together with him graciously give us all things? He's going to work all things together for good. Even in the midst of suffering and pain and threats and all that, you cannot have the greatest blessing taken from you, the love of God in Christ. It's yours. And if God is for you, who can be against you? All those threats compared to him are nothing. So if in Christ the greatest threat has been taken care of, and if in Christ the greatest blessings are ours, why do we still fall for the fear of man? Because so easily for all of us, the wrong things get big and the wrong things get small. Okay, so what ends up happening is we end up cowering before a bunch of shadow threats or clamoring for a bunch of shadow blessings. So you know how shadows, like at night in your room, especially as a kid, you remember this, how you know, they get disproportionately large. You could have this little tiny trophy on the wall and it seems like this big, scary monster that's the size of the wall, depending on where the nightlight is or the moonlight. Well, our fear of people, our desire to please people, what does it say? It says that God is really small and that person, oh man, what they could do to me, threat, what they could give me, blessing, really, really big. Which is why Ed Welch wrote a book called When People Are Big and God is Small. (laughs) Great book on fear of man. The subtitle is Overcoming Peer Pressure, Codependency, and the Fear of Man. Highly recommended. Um, He gets it. The wrong things are big and the wrong things are small. So fear of man is to bow to people as the greatest source of threat and blessing in your life. Is that true? No, it's not true. So do you see what our fear of man says of God? I mean, it's, it's really convicting, but it's the truth. We need to hear it. Your fear, my fear of man is direct, directly proportionate to the size of our God. At least our perception. We can't make God bigger or smaller. He is infinitely great. So think about you in relation to your fears, you in relation to others that you, you fear and you want to please. How big is your God? How big are the people in your life? Might it be that we're actually looking in the wrong end of the telescope? When we look at God, He doesn't look very big. Well, no wonder. We, we've got things backwards. Or maybe we're pointing the telescope in the wrong direction. Telescopes aren't meant to... I mean, I guess they can be used for this. Don't, don't pick the illustration apart. You know what I'm saying. Most telescopes are meant to be aimed at stars and things like that. But if you went like this, you know, 
Joey down the street would look really, really big. So they're not meant to magnify the people right around you. They're meant to magnify the great things that are very far away and sometimes seem small. You forget how big they are. So think about it. If we're going to avoid the snare, fear of man lays a snare, we don't need to just kill our fear of man. We need to see God for who He is and how big He is. We need to cultivate trust in the Lord, fear of the Lord, that He is infinitely glorious and big. He is real. He's reality. Everything else is, these are shadow threats. And see those shadow threats, those shadow blessings for what they are in the light of His glory and greatness. So point number four, safety and sizing up reality. So isn't it interesting how safety is the blessing offered here? Why do we fear people? Because we want to be safe. Fears or desires turned on their head. So what are the main threats? Well, man, if I tell the truth, I might lose face. Oh, if I tell the truth, I, I might lose my job. What, what if we thought, if I don't tell the truth, I might lose my integrity. <laughs> if I don't tell the truth, I'm not going to please God who's so great, and if I have his smile, even if I'm homeless, it would be better than if I kept my job and compromised my integrity and trust him. Okay, so when we feel threatened, unsafe, insecure, exposed, we want to feel safe, we want to feel protected, we want to feel secure, so we run and find a refuge. And we often run to people rather than to the Lord. So we need to know that our attempts to protect or find our safety and well-being, you know, they're guided by the fear of man. If those things are guided by the fear of man because of what he can do to me or what he can give me, that's actually where the danger is. That's what's dangerous. So the question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that that's actually the real danger? And trusting in the Lord, that's actually the path to what we really want. It's the path to safety. Do we believe it? So when we give way to fear of man, we actually want safety and we're just going to the wrong source. We're not trusting in the Lord. So do you see how we, this is a faith issue? So do we believe it? Do we really believe that this is the path to safety? There really is something more dangerous than death, which is why Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. Fear him who after destroying, after killing body and soul can, can destroy both body and soul in hell. So what do we do? How do we respond um, and deal with our fear of man? How do we cultivate trust in the Lord? Well, just as fear of man is pregnant, so trust in the Lord is pregnant. It will lead to all kinds of safety in so many different ways. So let's think of some strategies for real safety, um, the safety that God is promising here. So first, just brass tacks. I mean, I'm talking tomorrow when you are tempted to lie to your clients, when you're tempted to just kind of spin things. Come on, everybody does this. No, really. Like, this is Monday morning. Stop and ask, what am I afraid of? So, so one time this really came home to me. It, was, it surprised me a little bit. So one time we had somebody living with us who was very needy. 
like all kinds of issues. And I remember walking to go home and I have this like kind of anxiety, nervous thing going on right here. I'm like, what am I afraid of? And I realized I'm afraid of the pound of flesh because it's, it's been costly to have this person stay with us. So then it's like, well, what is it that I want? Fears and desires. I'm afraid of the pound of flesh, what it's going to cost. What, what is it that I want? I want rest tonight. What if instead of just turning up the music or just getting... Like, what if we identify these things and say, okay, is it something that I should want? Is rest... That's not a bad thing to want. Where should I go to find it? Does the gospel of Jesus supply this want, address this fear? Does trusting in the Lord provide an alternative? Well, yeah. (laughs) Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Would you trust me? I know this is costly. I I know, but I'm I'm with you. Trust me. Because you know what? If I don't fight and I go home, I will withdraw or I will be cold to that person in need or unkind or bitter and resentful. So we actually need to stop when we have those fears rising up. We need to stop and size up reality. Ask God to help us size up reality, size up our fears, size up the threats, and remember the gospel. Get oriented to what's really, really big and what's really small, relatively small. The wrath of God is the greatest threat. It's been taken out of the way. I am eternally safe. God is for me. Yes! This is going to be costly, to be honest. I'm going to have to own this. I totally spun the truth and I lied to my child, to my wife, to my husband, to my coworker, to my boss. I am so afraid of the consequences. God is for me. The greatest threat is out of the way. Do I think my Father in heaven could provide for me? Do I really believe? I mean, Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Trust me. Size up the fears. Size up the threats. Remember the gospel. If the greatest thing has been taken care of and that greatest thing is really the big thing in your heart and life, then everything else is flea bites. Which is why Paul can say the crazy things he says at the end of Romans 8. Famine? Are you kidding me? Do you know what that would feel like to go through famine and wonder if God still cares and if he loves you? Paul understood how big the foreness of God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And famine is not going to separate me from the love of God. We are more than conquerors. Actually, it'll just make me more hungry for Jesus. And you could endure in faith. So Romans 8. So what about if you've been caught Some of you may have recently been caught in your snare that your fear of man laid. Don't say, oh, where did this come from? (laughs) Like, and start blame shifting and pointing the finger, whatever. Again, it's, I actually, I think I told that illustration too early. That would be like to be like the soccer player. You know, falling. And it's really that guy's fault. No, you tripped yourself, you idiot. 
own it. If your snare has snapped on you, own it. Don't perpetuate the fear of man in the way that you dance around trying to avoid the consequences. Own it. Acknowledge it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. He'll take care of you. Trust Him. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So let's say you've made some unwise purchases. This ever happened in your marriage? Uh Uh-oh. Why did you not tell her? Why did you not tell him? Because of fear of woman or fear of man? Let's say you've gotten into debt. You don't want to tell anybody. Let's say you've gotten into trouble in some way. What keeps you from telling the truth to those who need, who deserve to, to know who you've sinned against or maybe who could help you? What are they going to think? It's fear, man, that got you into this, into this snare. Trust the Lord and he will get you out. Don't shrink back in unbelief. If you do, you're going to get caught again in the trap of your own making. So last point, might seem a little weird, believing you're a billionaire. What? What does that have to do with this? Well, there was this Puritan that lived in the 1600s, Richard Baxter, and he's got some great advice on different issues in a book called A Christian Directory. And one of the things he said really struck me um, a while back, so it's a quick point. And then we're going to sing this song that we sung once already. We're going to sing two of the verses because they speak of these very things. It's Romans 8 applied to how we live and our fears and all of that. So he says, in relation to fear of man and cultivating fear of God and trusting in the Lord, he says, remember that it is the judgment of God alone that your life or death forever depends on Him and how little you are concerned in the judgment of man. In other words, if God justifies, who can condemn? If God is really big... So what? So here's here's the point. If God is for us, we are His children. We are heirs of all things. If If we were billionaires, would we... How would you respond to losing a dollar? No big deal. That's the gospel. If you have God's smile, by grace, through faith in Jesus, you have everything. And so if by telling the truth, if by living in the light, if by trusting in the Lord, you lose the favor, the acceptance, the approval of a fellow dust ball. We're all made of dust People are very fickle. It's like losing a dollar. That doesn't mean we don't care about people. Don't don't read into it too much. What I'm saying is it will enable us to keep trusting him and not being governed by fear. So again, billionaire is really big in terms of money. One dollar really small. Sizing up reality again for the sake of walking in faith. Let's pray.
Lord, I pray that you would please not let us be slaves of shadow fears or seek slavishly after shadow blessings. Please show the thinness, the emptiness of the things that so oftentimes govern and rule us. And I pray that we would not bow to other people as the greatest source of blessing or threat, but that we would bow to you. So glad that the greatest threat has been taken out of the way in Christ and that you have blessed us in him with every spiritual blessing. Would you please cause this text, your word is living and active, cause this text to bear thousands of fruitful moments of courage and honesty and love and prevent us from compromise and shrinking back and dancing around. Please do it for the sake of your great name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.